Welcome to the weekly sermon podcast for the Wilmington, Ohio Church of Christ. We pray that this message will inspire you and help you grow closer to God in your faith. Be sure to stick around after the message to find out more about how you can take your next best step. Enjoy the message. The song Silent Night started as a poem, a little bit differently than how we sing it. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Here's the difference. Round yon godly tender pair, talking about Mary and Joseph, holy infant with curly hair, sleep in heavenly peace. Father Joseph Moore wrote that poem in 1816 in Oberdorf, Austria. He was a priest and uh, he was in that village 1816, it was the end of the Napoleonic Wars. Uh, Napoleon had recently been defeated at Waterloo for the second and final time, and that whole continent was experiencing peace for the first time in over a decade. And here is the priest walking through his village. They haven't had peace in over a decade, and it was one of those evenings where the snow had fallen. And you know, have you ever been outside where the snow is falling and it has fallen, and it just deadens all sound around? And it was one of those moments where he said, oh, we, are, we are finally at peace. And he wrote that little poem as a lullaby for baby Jesus. It wasn't until two years later that it was finally set to music, 1818, and he, he found one of uh, his parishioners that played the guitar. He said, I need, and we can't make this up, the very first time Silent Night was ever performed and sung was at Christmas Eve Mass, 1818, at St. Nicholas's Church. Uh, it, it just is incredible uh, that that happened that way. But he found one of his parishioners to play guitar. He said, can you put this poem to music? I'd like a song for Christmas Mass that we've never played before. In 1818, first time that song had ever been sung. Like, like, very similar to how we sing Silent Night now. In a little while, we will sing Silent Night together as a congregation. And it, it will be very similar to that first Silent Night that was sang on Christmas Eve back in 18. 18. He takes, it, uh, he takes this poem and he takes this song from Luke chapter 2. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were completed for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Round yon virgin, that's the one we sing. It's talking about Luke chapter two. I'm wondering, and I'm curious, when I, when I read that passage of scripture and I hear silent night, I, I get curious, can we have that same type of feeling of peace, that emotion of peace, that real tangible, I can reach out and touch peace, that Joseph Moore had in 1816 when he wrote that lullaby for Jesus. I, I believe we really can. I believe that when we give our lives to Christ, we entrust our whole selves to him, that he can actually sustain a real peace in our own heart and in our own mind with us. And not just a spiritual peace, but actually a physical peace 
real, tangible peace. I think two of the ways that we can do that is if if we learn to worship how we are commanded in Scripture, it's a gift that God has given us. Uh, if, If we could learn to worship with stillness and silence and calmness and confidence, I think we can find the peace that Christ offers. Would you allow me to pray for us? And we'll take a look at Scripture and we'll ask the Holy Spirit to provide that same type of peace for us. Let's pray. God, would you help us today experience the peace of Christ that only he can give? Allow your Holy Spirit to speak through the scripture, to speak through your church, to speak through this fellowship and the singing and the communion. Lord, to speak through this season where we can just fall more deeply and madly in love with Jesus to experience the peace of that is our Savior. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I think every Christian can experience the same peace by practicing uh, two different, participating in two different practices of worship. Number one, stillness and silence. You know, last week we talked about how uh, God has commanded us to worship him with shouting and noise and loudness And I don't think it's a contradiction that he also commands us to worship in stillness and silence. I think we can gather this a little bit from uh, that first Christmas with the shepherds. If we continue on in Luke chapter 2, I think there's a part in there that we have stillness and silence too. Let me read this to you and then I'll, I'll point it out to you. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. They went and left and came in a hurry. I think that hurry right there describes what a lot of us feel around Christmas time. That uh, kind of hurry sickness that we all seem to participate in. Every once in a while, somebody will ask to have an appointment with the pastor and they'll say something like, well, I know you're busy, but can you make time for me? I got to tell you, I'm not any busier than anyone else, but I think we are all kind of busy. I think we all, in fact, some of you might have experienced this. You go to bed at night and you're so busy, you can't quite turn off your brain because you're thinking about all the things that are not done and taken care of over the day and all the things that you need to do tomorrow. Did anybody ever experience that? Okay, only three people. No, we do that a lot. We do that a lot. And we have, we have trouble with this hurry sickness of we hurry up and we hurry up and we hurry up and we hurry up. And I think the shepherds in that one little moment of, of the birth of Christ, I think they felt that hurry up. We have got to go see this new baby that the angels have just told us about. I, I think we have that feeling. We're like, we got to get to the store and do Christmas shopping. Today is the last day. Anybody not finished yet? Today's the last day. <laughs> 
Hurry, 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 hurry up. But, but how, do you approach, how do you approach a newborn baby? It is not with hurry. How do you enter into a birth room with a mom holding a baby or a mom who just gave birth? You don't enter in with, with streamers and flyers and, you know, you don't do that. You enter in quietly and softly. I can just imagine the shepherds hurrying, rushing to get to where this baby is. And then as they get to the scene, how they approach that baby quietly. They don't want to wake up the baby. Don't you have a fear at newborn babies? Like you don't want to do, you don't want to wake the baby up. You don't want to disturb the mother's peace. You want to enter in with, with that kind of stillness and silence. I think a lot of times this is how we should approach our worship with God. Where we have that, you know, when they, you approach a baby, you have this fear. And it's not scared like the baby's going to get you, but it's fear like you're going to disturb the peace of the child. I think when we approach God, oftentimes we're told to fear the Lord. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And it's not uh, scared that God is going to get us, but it, there is a certain amount of reverence and caution that needs to be used. I tell this story all the time, and I repeat it all the time, and I meditate it. I know C.S. Lewis meditated on it, and that's why he wrote it. When he wrote out the, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia and Aslan the Lion, which is the Christ figure in the books, and Lucy asked, is it a, is it a tame lion? And Otter said, no, it's not a tame lion. He's good, but he's not tame. You need to have a certain amount of caution when you go before Aslan the King Lion. I think when we approach God, we should have a little bit of reverence, caution when we approach this holy God who created everything. I think as the shepherds approached that manger on that first Christmas, they approached with caution and fear, with, with a little bit of trembling. C.S. Lewis wrote something like, in the, the very last Chronicles Narnia book, he wrote something like, that manger, for the very first time in, in the entire world, a, a manger held something bigger than the world. And there was that reverence that went along with it. When we approach God with stillness and silence, that's the reverence that he sometimes needs. It's not a contradiction. Sometimes he wants us to approach and celebrate and worship with loudness, but sometimes we're going to have our, our growth and our maturity happen when we approach him with stillness. Psalm 46 explains this really well when, when it has this song about how the, the seas are roaring like an animal and the mountains are trembling, getting ready to fall into the ocean and, and there's just all this chaos going around and God at the end in 46.10, he says, be still. I got this. Be still and know that I am God. Sit still. Concentrate on God. Pray to the Lord. Worship him with silence. A lot of times during the times the psalm were written, uh, there was this idea that the water was chaos and evil. And so for God to say, peace be still, it shows that he can conquer all chaos and evil the world can throw at you. In Revelation, in chapter 4, it says, The water before the throne is completely calm and see-through. 
crystal clear. As in, God is in control over any evil and chaos this world has to offer. And then in Mark chapter 4, we have this beautiful story where Jesus was teaching and they decided to go over on a boat to the other side. And here's how it, here's how it goes in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. On that day when evening came, Jesus said to them, let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him along with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. And there arose a fierce gale of wind, and the waves were breaking over the boat so much that the boat was already filling up. Jesus himself was in the stern asleep on the cushion, and they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he got up, and he rebuked the wind, and he said to the sea, Hush, be still. Peace, be still. And the wind died down and became perfectly calm. And he said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they became very much afraid and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? I think the same amount of caution when you're tiptoeing up on the manger scene with the babe Jesus lying there wrapped in cloths is a very similar attitude when you see the man Jesus quiet the waves of the Sea of Galilee where it comes, becomes completely calm. When you see him take a demon out of someone, when you see him heal the sick or even raise the dead, there is an awe and a reverence that falls over the onlookers where they not only are amazed and they're in awe, but they're also a little, little bit frightened who is this powerful being in front of us? It is God in the flesh come to rescue us. God wants to reveal himself to us, and so he, he shows up. And Jesus is the exact representation of God on earth in the flesh. He's fully God and fully human, and we need to approach him with awe and reverence, and sometimes we need to just be still. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright. Shepherds quake at the sight. I don't think it's just the angels they're scared of. I think there's an awe of approaching a babe in a manger. Glory stream from heaven afar, heavenly host sing alleluia. Christ the Savior is born. Be still and know that I'm God. It's the moments of stillness and silence when we consider Jesus Christ, we meditate on who he is and what he did, that we'll have this spiritual growth that we all seek and we'll be able to have the peace that Christ offers. I was uh, visiting with Joseph Vicente and he's training to be a small group leader and I was thinking, well, we need to learn how to pray. And we, we use this uh, prayer tool. It's, it's just prayer prompts divided up into 12 sections and it, it says, hey, if you spend five minutes on each section, you'll end up praying for an hour. And that long time of prayer, that sitting for an hour in prayer is so essential to being able to sit still. You, you sit still and you pray and you have all these distracting thoughts come up and you take capture those thoughts for the Lord. And as they pop up, you capture them. You say, no, I'm focusing in on God right now. And, and you'll, you'll be able to focus for a couple of seconds, then a stray thought will come in. And you capture that again for the Lord. And the more you do it, the more you practice it, the better you get at just being able to sit still and worship God in prayerful meditation. And so Joseph and I, we went through this, this prayer chart. And anytime you train somebody on this chart, you don't necessarily start off with five minutes per section, but maybe two minutes. 
And we did two minutes and we started praising God. That's the first section. And you find out if you set your timer that two minutes is not long enough to praise God. There's another section, confession there, where you confess to God your sins. I said, Joseph, if, if you can't think of any sins you've done, I've got a list of 109 sins taken from the Bible. And I've got to tell you, I've done almost every single one of them and that I have to confess to the Lord. Very few of them that I don't. And, and you set your timer for two minutes and you confess sins and you just go down the list. And yeah, I've done that. Oh, yeah, I did that before. Oh, yep, yeah, that's me. And you know what? Two minutes is not long enough to confess your sins. And then we, we go through and we're spending time in prayer, two minutes around, around this circle, and we get to the singing part. And Joseph said, you're not going to make me sing, are you? I said, oh, yeah, we, we're going to sing together, just you and me. He said, I don't think I can do that. I said, oh, yeah, you can do it. it it's real easy. Uh, I'll teach you a song, and you're, we, you and I are going to sing it together. He said, I, I don't think I can. I said, yeah, you can. Here, here's the song. Sing hallelujah to the Lord. Sing hallelujah to the Lord. He goes, hold on a second, I need to write this down. I said, no, Joseph, it's just one line. We're just going to sing that line over and over and over again. He said, oh, just one line, yeah. And so I said, here we go, we're going to sing. He goes, no, wait a second. He said, I feel like my men's Bible study is waiting out in the hallway. And they're going to come barging in. And this is some practical joke, the elaborate practical joke that you're playing on me to get me to sing where I'll be embarrassed. I said, no. Being still and silent before the Lord is not about having no sound. It's about quieting your heart and mind to focus on Jesus. And God gave us a command to meditate on Scripture and sing songs to him because he knows that rewires our brain. It makes us be able to approach him in awe and wonder, and it quiets our heart. It helps us learn about Jesus. And we sang that song and we got finished and there was just this moment of silence, of peace. See, we need to worship God in stillness and silence, but it's not about lack of sound. It's about resting our heart in Jesus. And we do that by learning how to pray and learning how to sing, learning how to fellowship together, learning how to take communion, learning how to read the Bible. All these tools God gives us so that we can connect to Jesus. We need to worship in stillness and silence. We also need to worship with calmness and confidence. Verse 3 of Silent Night goes like this. Silent Night, Holy Night, Son of God loves pure light. Ooh, radiant beams... From thy holy face, with the dawn of redeeming grace, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. Redeeming grace is this line we sing, but a lot of times we don't know what that word means. Redeeming means we, we pay for, we buy someone out of the condition they are to set them free. It was a merchant term. It talked about slavery. Uh, someone was in slavery or in servanthood, and the uh, someone else could come and pay their debt off and allow them to be free. Jesus says that we are all in a sin debt that we cannot possibly pay. We're all in sin slavery, trapped by our own decisions to, tr to rule ourselves instead of letting God rule our lives. And we, we all do it. We do it from the earliest moment we're able to make decisions where we say we want to do things our own way and not anybody else's way. 
Well, we do that with God too. It's called rebellion. It's called sin. And when we do that, we think we're gaining freedom by choosing our own way, but really we're just entrapping ourselves more. We're making it worse. And so Jesus says, I will set you free. I will buy you out of that sin slavery and pay for your sin debt, and you will be free indeed. And he pays for it with his life on the cross. See, Jesus came as king, even as a baby, he is Lord and king, but he grows to be a man to be our savior. He was savior from the time he was born. He enacted it when he lived his life perfectly without sin, tempted in every way that we are, and then he went to the cross as a sacrificial lamb, dying in our place, redeeming us, buying us out of sin slavery so that we can be set free. In every other religion, all the teaching and the prophets point to a peace that you can gain, but in Jesus Christ, we are pointed to him as our peace. Ephesians chapter 2 says, But now in Christ Jesus, you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, so that in himself he might make the two into one new man, thus establishing peace. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household. Jesus, he got rid of the enmity between us and God because God says if you are in sin, you are an enemy with him, we will not be able to be together. Jesus breaks that wall down. We have enemies against each other and Jesus provides peace and breaks that wall down where we can even be friends and brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ. We are strangers to God, estranged from him, but through Christ, he buys us out and brings us into a relationship with God, and we are now part of the family of God. And the verse says, Jesus himself is our peace. Not just that he has peace, not just that he can give peace, but he himself is our peace, and we can know that peace too. You can believe the truth about Jesus Christ. It is a total gift ready for him to he's ready to give it to you it is by grace through faith that you will be saved you can completely trust and entrust yourself to him and he will give you peace later when we are concluding today and we're getting ready to leave i i'm going to offer this again but i'm offering it right now if you don't know the peace that jesus offers and if you don't know him as peace himself I want to talk to you about that and connect you to Jesus Christ. And you can meet me at the door on the, on the way out and we can set up an appointment so we can discuss how you can entrust yourself completely to him. And I promise you, he will give you peace. And you will have a calm confidence that is only found in Jesus. And you can be assured of your salvation. You can be assured of the forgiveness of sins. You can be assured of your new place in the heavenly family of God. He will call you his child and you will be able to call him father. And he will love you completely. We can have assurance of who Jesus says he is. We can have real, tangible peace. There are three people in Scripture that fasted for 40 days, Moses, Elijah, Elijah, and Jesus. 
And they found as they were fasting without food for 40 days that God can really sustain them physically through no food for 40 days. I, I promise you that you can, you can be sustained by God in peace. He can really give you tangible peace, physical peace, not just spiritual peace, but actual peace in your life in Jesus Christ. Now this, this has happened already. It happened with Joseph Moore when he wrote the lullaby, Silent Night, in 1816. The world was really at peace for just a moment. Real, physical, tangible peace. You go from 1816, fast forward 100 years, Christmas Eve, 1914. World War I has started. The Germans had moved through Belgium and moved through Luxembourg and had entered France. And what, has, what started in August is now at a stalemate in what they call the Western Front. A 500-mile stretch of trench warfare from the North Sea to Switzerland. And between August and December, on the Western Front, 1.8 million people had already died. And it was Christmas Eve. And in between the trenches of the Germans and the trenches of the French, there was a place called No Man's Land, where bodies and <laughs> it was just terrible. And on Christmas Eve, a quiet snow night, not very different from 1816, one of the English fighters said, did you hear that? And the other one said, yeah, they've been doing that all night. The trenches were so close you could hear what was going on in the enemy's camp. And the Germans were singing Silent Night. You know, it's a, it's a very recognizable tune. And the English and the French answered with their own Silent Night. And then from across the way, they said, come on over here. <laughs> and the French and English responded, well, what if we meet halfway? And they came up out of their trenches with no guns. And they met in the middle of no man's land to shake hands and wish each other a Merry Christmas. They exchanged patches and cigarettes and plum pudding. And they took a moment to collect and bury their dead and have a memorial service where they all sang together Silent Night, Holy Night. Somebody found a soccer ball and they started a game of soccer right there in the middle of World War I. And they said, let's make a pact. On Christmas Day, no guns fired. We will celebrate our Savior's birth. And they did. Almost the entire 500-mile stretch of the Western Front had peace on earth. Christmas of 1914. One soldier wrote in his journal that when they restarted firing at each other, there were so many of them that aimed their guns too high. So they wouldn't hit each other. See, that is the true peace that Jesus can bring to earth. 
He, he is really God of creation. He is putting all things under his feet. And creation has not responded to obedience yet. It hasn't submitted itself fully, but there is coming a day when every knee will bow and every heart and tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord and we will have forever peace. In the meantime, in the meantime, we get to take Jesus to as many people as possible. We get to offer that same sense of awe, silence and stillness where you approach the babe in a manger, but we have to point people to the man on the cross. And we can have that calm confidence that Jesus really does save, that he really can give us peace, true, tangible peace. He is our peace. And then we can sing the silent night with that same sense of wonder and awe and that same sense of peace that Joseph had when he wrote it and those warriors had in 1914 when they took a truce on Christmas and we can even have in 2023 on this Christmas Eve. We hope you have enjoyed this message. If you need someone to pray with you, talk to, or maybe you just want more information about our church, be sure to fill out a Connect card so we can reach out and help you take your next best step. Thanks again for joining, and we will see you back here next time.